Hey ladies, welcome to the Looking Above podcast. It's easy to get bogged down in details of everyday life. If we aren't intentional, our eyes can easily be pulled away from the Lord and we can set our gaze on things of earth. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. My name is Karen Boffman and I'm the women's pastor at New Life Church in Gillette, Wyoming. I believe that our perspective changes everything. So together, we'll be looking above. Welcome back to Looking Above. I'm Brooklyn and this is Karen. We are talking about a stressful topic today. (laughs) As we were going through it, we were feeling a little bit anxious. But that's because the topic is anxiety, (laughs) which we learned through research that a lot of us have dealt with. So, yes, it is a timely topic, something that's important, something that, yes, a lot of us deal with and it's uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. quite frankly, we didn't really want to do this. But as we were diving into it, we were like, oh, this is not the most fun, but that's okay." The more we talked about it, the more I realized I have dealt with anxiety in my life and and the more anxious I felt about talking about it. So I love going through these topics with Karen because she will be like, I don't really feel shame as we're talking about shame and then realize she does or not really an anxious person. And then as we're discussing it, oh, she realizes that yes, maybe she does have yes, some you anxiety. Are an person. <laughs> so some yes, self-discovery well, over here. Yeah, yes. And I think <laughs> defining things is important. Yeah. And maybe that's it's um been in my life, I haven't defined anxiety mm-hmm. in in the proper manner. And so as I'm learning it, then I'm realizing, oh, that is anxiety. So yeah, we'll, we'll, t- we'll get to that in a minute. But we wanted to start with this quote from Building a Resilient Life by Rebecca Lyons. Mm-hmm. And she said, if we're going to grow in resilience, we must learn to accept and embrace the adversity that makes us more resilient. If we're going to grow in resilience, we must learn to accept and embrace the adversity that makes us more resilient. And that includes anxiety or anxiety disorders or Mm -hmm. panic attacks, which she talks a lot about in her book. Mm -hmm. But embracing that sounds scary, doesn't it? Right. So I know that makes my (laughs) stomach like tighten up. (laughs) I get the, I get the heart response, (laughs) like the the heart starts pounding and Mm -hmm. I think... That's the last thing I want to do is embrace it. Um, Even if we have the knowledge that turning towards our stressors, turning towards the hard, turning towards the anxiety is going to be better in the long run. It still feels daunting and scary. And my physical response is, Heck no, (laughs) I don't want to turn towards that. I do not want to embrace it. And studying this, I understand why she says to do this or why Mm -hmm. those who are in the mental health field would say to do this because in embracing, it loses power. Yeah, it does. In turning towards the hard thing, the hard thing loses power. Um, Hard things are hard period. But when we run from them, it actually makes it harder. It does. And it causes, and if that's anxiety, 
it gives you more anxiety, which is kind of funny how that works. Right, right. So we said like most people experience anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a statistic that you pulled. I'm going to read it. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness Mm -hmm. affecting 19.1% of the adult population in the U.S. Right. Um, it says 31% of Americans will experience an anxiety disorder during their lifetime. Right. Which is a lot. So like regularly 19, so 20% of us, right? A fifth of us, one in five are pretty regularly anxious dealing with it. But at some point in our lives, a third of us, roughly a third of us are going to deal with an anxiety disorder. So so that goes beyond just feeling anxiety, right? An anxiety right. disorder is right, more. right. So all of us, everyone is going to experience stress. Mm-hmm. Everyone is going to experience anxiety at some point in their lives. But as far as having an actual definable or um, treatable or recognizable anxiety disorder, a third of us, so one in three, are going to deal with that and. That's a lot of us. That is a lot of us. So what is the difference between stress Mm -hmm. and anxiety? Yeah. Because all of us will feel stress, like you said. Right. And this is, I think, where I have misdefined things Mm -hmm. in the past. So stress is a response to an actual threat, to something that's actually happening, something that is a circumstance in our environment that is difficult, hard, dangerous stressful right mm-hmm. like that's what we would call it so um you're going to have a test in your class or you're at crunch time in work and you have a big project due or your best friend is angry with you those are all stressors you're moving you you know like we have definable stressors things that cause difficulty in our lives those are stressors and so we have a stress response mm-hmm. to a stressor Right. And the funny thing is that a stress response and an anxiety response often look very, very similar. Right? Yeah. We may have the same physical feelings, the tension and our heart racing and our breathing changing and our blood pressure going through the roof. Like we may have the same response, but when it's a stress response, it's to an actual threat of some sort. Mm-hmm. Whereas anxiety is a response to the stress response. So anxiety is more of a perceived threat. So because I feel stressed, then in turn, I feel anxious. And anxiety is more of a perception of something could happen, not something is happening. Right. Okay. So if you were moving Mm -hmm. and you felt a stress response about Mm -hmm. that, oh my gosh, we have a lot to do. Right. What? But that anxiety would be like, what if the moving trucks don't show up? What if my kids hate this new school? What if blah, blah, blah. Everything goes bad and I don't make any friends. And then Mm -hmm. I start getting anxious about things that haven't happened Mm. rather than feeling stressed about things that are happening. So I notice in myself that I will have a stressor and anxiety usually follows because (laughs) my brain will take it and run. And I will think of all of the things that could go wrong. Right, right. It's when we get caught up in the what ifs. Mm -hmm. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I I run into someone? What if um, this 
you know, what if Quinn gets hurt on the playground again? What if, you know, so something bad happens and then we get stuck there and project it into the future. Well, what if it happens again? So I had anxiety Mm -hmm. when Quinn broke her leg, which we've talked about. Mm -hmm. But you and I sat down because I was with Mm -hmm. you when I heard that she may have broken her leg. Mm -hmm. And we said, what if she did break her leg? Mm -hmm. So we actually went through those possibilities and it was okay. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of stopped the anxiety. Yeah, we diffused it. And I was still stressed Mm -hmm. because it was not fun. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't anxious really anymore. Right. It took the wind out of the sails of the anxiety. So Mm -hmm. right. The anxiety hit right away because your mind went immediately to worst case scenario. And how am I going to deal with this? And what's going to happen? before we knew even that her leg was broken right right (laughs) well we knew was that she was hurt and Mm -hmm. crying in the nurse's office so yes so that was in that instance how you were able to diffuse that was okay like wait stop let's let's think this through okay what if her leg is broken then what okay well then what you know and we Mm -hmm. just went through those steps and we took it the whole way out and the whole way out was okay it's gonna stink for a little while and it's gonna be hard but well we're gonna be fine she's a kid and Mm -hmm. she's resilient and she may not even honestly remember this till she's grown like Mm -hmm. it may be a very very small blip in her story and that was where we were able to get to was this isn't going to change her life Mm mm-hmm yeah. So I think that's one way of, of handling, like differentiating mm-hmm. the stress from the anxiety is following it to the end. Mm-hmm. Another one would be to actually say what is real and what is not. Mm-hmm. Because in that moment I could have said, what do I know? What are the facts? Mm-hmm. What do I not know? And then kind of differentiate mm-hmm. like, okay, she's hurt. So now I'm just going to go pick her up and we're going to go to the doctor and kind of stop there. Right. Right. There'd right. be two different ways yeah, you could handle absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I think a big piece of anxiety, especially when we're having a panic attack is stopping that mental narrative. And that's what we've kind of talked about these last two episodes is we need to retrain our brains, right? So Mm -hmm. when we start to go in that spiral and when our body starts to feel the anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm now having a physical response to a perceived threat, something that isn't even happening. It's recognizing, oh my goodness, I'm starting to feel anxious. Okay, why am I feeling anxious? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and stopping letting our brain continue down that road by retraining our thought. And there's lots of different ways that we can do this. Lots of different things people talk about. I don't, there's like a five, like notice five things you can see, four Mm -hmm. things you can, you know, whatever. And you'd like take your senses and go through, you know, four things I can hear, three things, you know, whatever. To ground you in the Whatever I can feel, right. So to try and stop whatever's going on in your brain, there's something called, I think, they call it square breathing where you breathe in for four, hold it for four, breathe out for four, hold it for four. And that's something that I will do just to get my breath under control because Mm -hmm. I've learned that when I am in an anxiety provoking situation, when my body is freaking out because of whatever stress, then my breathing goes crazy. So that's something that I have to focus very clearly on breathing so that I can bring myself like down off of that yeah. spiral. Do you notice your physical response before you notice what you're anxious about? Or do you notice something that you're anxious about or the stressor um, before you notice your physical response? I probably notice the physical response. Yeah, I do too. Because I have such a pronounced physical mm-hmm. <laughs> response. And so usually it's some, I, I feel it in my chest right away. And then it's this feeling of something's out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the same. <laughs> like, I do not feel in control of my body. What is yeah. going on? And then it's like, what? And the crazy thing for me, I was telling you this earlier, is that so often 
when I have a panic attack, it is actually not even in a situation where I should feel any threat. Mm -hmm. So often it's when I'm calm and in a completely fine situation, but it's the stress and the anxiety of I'm going to go back into that stress. Like when my body relaxes, like, oh, I'm with my people. And then all of a sudden it's like, but I have to go back. And I don't even perceive that my brain is thinking about going back into the stressful situation. And so then I start to feel like this, just this grip of anxiety come up across me and my heart starts to go kind of funny and I'm start to like tense up. And then I'm like, I am with my people right now. Mm -hmm. This is a totally calm lunch with my girlfriends. Why am I all of a sudden feeling awful? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then, okay, wait a minute. Let's think about what's going on. Let's think about, you know, and then I start trying to breathe or I try and focus my thoughts back on what's happening in the space that I'm in to stop my body from having that response that it should not be having. Mm Mm-hmm. But most of the time, like you said, you are in a stress, like there are stressors, Mm -hmm. but it's in a stressful season. Right. And then Mm -hmm. your body physically reacts when you step away from it, but are going to go back to it. And I think because I'm typically in a stressful season, excuse me, when I've had a anxiety response, I've always thought it's a stress response. Okay. That makes sense right? because like, there is actual oh, stressors. There is a stress going on right now. So then when I have a panic attack, I think that's my body's response to extreme stress. Well, yes, there is an underlying stress built up in my body. And I think when we let that unresolved stress get out of control, then our stress hormones are kind of out of control in our body, right? So I'm more predisposed to a panic attack in that season. But it is the anxiety is the actual feeling of what if this happens or how am I going to deal with this stress or what, you know, it's when your mind starts to go on things that aren't happening. So Mm -hmm. in the moment when I have a panic attack and I'm in a totally neutral situation or even a positive situation, that should not be causing anxiety in me. I should not be having that kind of a response to the situation at hand. So that's when it's, I think, even more telling when I realize, whoa, Things are out of control. And that's usually my telltale sign. Like you've been living in stress for too long and you need to do something about your stress level is when I'm having an anxiety response in a neutral situation. No, that makes sense. But it's so good that you recognize that. Mm-hmm. Um, it took looking back though. And that's mm-hmm. something I know that we'd encourage all the listeners to do too, mm-hmm. is kind of look, because we do all have different stress responses, right? And right. anxiety responses. Sure. I know people that, throw up when they're having panic attacks or um, pass out even, or, or it's not even physical so much as mental Mm -hmm. and um, maybe getting depressed or or mad. Yeah. Yep. So kind of looking back at your own patterns of those situations. And like we said, it's not that there's not stressors, but it's Mm -hmm. when you go beyond this actual Mm -hmm. stressors. When you're in a situation that is not a threat to you, And you're having a response to something that isn't happening. So for example, um, I am in a season and I told Karen, I didn't want to talk too much about it because (laughs) I am still in the midst of it, but I'm postpartum four months now. 
and I, I am having postpartum anxiety. And so I wake up in the night and have panic attacks mm-hmm. thinking my baby is going to die or my daughter is going to die. This is very raw. And, um, but it feels so real. And it's, it's not real though. They're not in danger at all. Right. They're both asleep in their beds, right. but it feels real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was telling Karen because she was asking, what do you do in that situation? I pray. Mm-hmm. But we talked about, I should write down some like step-by-step mm-hmm. um, things to do in that situation. And prayer would be one of them, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. But so that I have a plan, because when you're in the midst of the anxiety or the panic attack, it is so hard to come to grips with reality. Right. Um, so having a, okay, I'm going to do number one and then I'm going to move on to number two or number three. That's something I'm going to do. I think, yeah, um, yeah. I think that would be really my, helpful. These are my steps. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start by praying. I'm mm-hmm. going to breathe. I'm going to write yeah. whatever it is, focus on things in the room. I'm going to talk myself backwards through this. Yeah. I'm going to talk myself forwards through this, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, why am I? And then what if, you know, like, okay, let's think this through. What mm-hmm. if all of that happened? Is God still good? Yeah, right. Exactly. So Karen and I practiced this earlier, but Mm -hmm. they, Rebecca talks about um, doing the five whys Mm -hmm. and kind of figuring out the source or the root of your anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, She, when she's feeling a physical response towards Mm -hmm. something, hers is usually physical first. Mm -hmm. She'll ask why am I feeling this physical response? And her example was to my calendar. Why Mm -hmm. do I feel a physical anxiety response when I look at my calendar? And she asks why five times. Mm -hmm. So why do I feel anxiety? Um, Because my schedule's too busy. Why is my schedule too busy? And she gets back to basically my identity or Mm -hmm. or she- Worth. Her worth is in her ability to do things. Mm -hmm. So we both (laughs) did the five whys. Mm -hmm. And that's another, I think, really cool way to see- where the root of your anxiety is. And it takes a little bit of reflection too. So if you do the five whys, I also think that journaling would help or and setting aside an an amount of time too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, well that, that I think then helps us to figure out what is it at its core Mm -hmm. that I am struggling with that I need to surrender. What lie do I believe? What do I need to turn to God and say, okay, here is where I am not whole or I am not well, Mm -hmm. or I am putting too much value on something that I shouldn't. It is. And that's where she's saying to look at anxiety as a friend or to turn towards it is, is this exact thing. Okay. Instead of running from the situation that makes me feel anxious, I'm going to, first of all, put myself in that situation. Mm -hmm. But then second of all, I'm going to say, why, why does this make me feel this way? Let's take it all the way back. Why, you know, that's the five whys. Ask why, ask why, ask why. Just keep going back. Why is this eliciting this response from me? And ultimately we're going to uncover this root cause, which is something that isn't surrendered to God or something that needs to be turned over, dealt with, healed from. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, when we do that, then we become healed and then we become more resilient. And our, I think our first response, though, or at least a lot of people's that I've seen in myself and others is to run mm-hmm. because anxiety says this is a bad situation. Right. Get out of it. Right. And so you turn to Netflix or alcohol or drugs mm-hmm. or anything that um, can take you out of that situation or numb you from right. the situation. Right. But I yeah. think that, again, goes to 
um, because asking the five whys, we get back to a lie or some a faulty belief mm-hmm. that has to do with God. Mm-hmm. And when we're numbing or um, something like that, we're focusing so hard on the situation, even if we're running from it, mm-hmm. instead of looking to God. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at the heart of many of these things would be a trust issue. Yeah. That's what I <laughs> learned. Mine is most of right. The time. And if I take back. Okay. So I am extremely claustrophobic mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I've dealt with this for years. I think I can trace most of it back to, I got stuck in an elevator when I was about six years old with my grandfather and um So I think that's where that fear began. But then I've been stuck in another elevator since then and um, had a massive panic attack on that elevator when that happened. Um, But then that transfers into other spaces and other situations as well. Then I get claustrophobic when I'm in bathrooms that it. It's really crazy because if the, if I go into a bathroom and it has just a swinging door in like at a McDonald's and then stalls, um, as long as I can see like that, I can get out the stall and the outside has like a swinging door, Mm -hmm. I'm fine. But if I go into a bathroom where it's like a one, one toilet in a gas station and you have to lock the door, that is anxiety provoking for me because I fear that the lock isn't going to work and I'm going to be (laughs) stuck in the bathroom. And I... I'm well able to recognize this is a really irrational fear Mm -hmm. and how often do doors not work and but I will sit down on the toilet and start to have a panic attack and I will literally pray myself through the bathroom there are times when I refuse to lock doors when I go into bathroom I would rather have someone walk in on me peeing (laughs) this is me being vulnerable than get locked in there because of this completely irrational fear but so elevators bathrooms that lock a small you know small closed spaces, um, airplanes are the same thing. And so we were talking about, you know, I've had this situation of having a massive anxiety attack in an airport right before I was about to get on an airplane to the point of thinking, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I might have to just sit here and take a plane later once I calm down. And it is crippling and it is terrifying And yet she tells us we're supposed to embrace it and go towards it and do those hard things. Which sounds very daunting, (laughs) right? It really does. And I know like you can't just not go to the bathroom when you have to go to the bathroom. That's going to cause other issues, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can't just not ever fly anywhere, even though that would be my druthers. Like I'd rather just get in the car, Mm -hmm. but um, we can't live letting that fear cripple us. We can't live letting the, the anxiety of the unknown and of things that haven't happened keep us from living. And so we continue to do those things and put ourselves in those situations that are hard. But what she's getting at in this chapter is how do we do that? What, what are some of our steps? What are some of the methods and ways that we can work ourselves through these situations? So the first thing is just to go towards it. We can't run from the situation. Mm -hmm. So that day when I was sitting in the airport having this panic attack, okay, well, you're, you're getting your booty on that plane today was what I'm telling myself mentally, even though everything within my body was screaming, 
uh uh-uh. uh nope you will not get on that plane you will die if you get on that plane yeah <laughs> it's terrifying so what did you do um I did was it just one step at a time or how did you do it yeah well I started by um it was a Sunday morning. And so I knew all of my friends were at church, but I started by texting a bunch of people and saying, I'm sitting in the Tulsa airport. I need to come home today and I'm having a panic attack and I don't know if I can get myself on this plane. So I started with, um, asking for prayer warriors because I know that prayer is powerful Mm -hmm. and it, helped me feel like there was something I was doing and having others fight with me. Like it started by saying, I'm not alone. Um, So I invite others into it. I was sitting there praying like crazy too. Um, And as we get closer and closer, I'm feeling more and more panicked. Like I don't, I really don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. So then I thought, okay, praise, right? I need to praise God. That praise is a weapon. And so I had not brought any earbuds with me on that trip. So I walked across to the store and I bought a very overpriced pair of cheap earbuds. And I went to the bathroom and closed myself in a stall that I could see out of (laughs) and sat on the toilet and just put worship music in my ears and just sat there and prayed and just leveled with God. Like, I don't think I can do this today. I don't think I can get on this airplane. And again, it was during a period of extreme stress here at work. I had just taken a kid back to college. So I was leaving my kid in a new place and, um, heading back to just a crazy season. And so that day I should not have felt such terrible anxiety about the plane and about coming back to work, but I did. And so it was just saying to God, okay, like, you're going to have to get me through this and you're going to have to get me through whatever is awaiting me when I'm at home. And so for me, it was prayer and then worship and just trying to get my brain to focus on the words of the songs. Like, don't just Mm -hmm. let it go, but focus on what is this song saying about God? Yeah. And I calmed down and I got on the plane and, you know, like Rebecca talks about after you have a panic attack, then there's this <sighs> let down, right? Mm-hmm. So I just got on the plane and put my music in my ear and just kind of edged out for the flight. But I had to do what I didn't want to do in that situation. Yeah. And you had to face it. So when you're on the other side now, do you feel like if you were in that situation, you could do it again. Do you feel more resilient right. towards it? Absolutely. Because I know that I've done it and I know that the response of my body is going to be short term, mm-hmm. even in that, like, I feel like I'm dying, but I know I'm not. And, and she so, mentions it's only a, it's a short right, amount of time right, that like you have a panic attack. Less usually. Yeah. So, um, just being able to recognize that like this is going to end. You're not going to stay in this heightened state and this feeling forever. And whatever you think might happen probably isn't Mm -hmm. going to happen. So, um, yeah, I just, you, yes, you know that in the future, if this happens again, you're going to be okay. Even if you have to go through the panic attack again, and I've flown since and haven't had a panic attack Mm-hmm. Um, and she has time. similar, Rebecca has similar, um, like cla- claustrophobia mm-hmm. and things like that. She mm-hmm. talks about in a lot of her books. Mm-hmm. Um, but she talks about kind of, I think each time she has this panic attack in that situation, it's almost like it's less and less and less. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not 
still, it's still awful. It's not fun, but each time is less. Right. Yeah. So it it sounds like you kind of took your eyes. I know you and I have talked about this, but Mm -hmm. took your eyes off of the situation at hand, which was Mm -hmm. walking onto the plane, which Mm -hmm. is what scared you so bad and kind of brought it above to change your perspective. Right. 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 Yeah. I think when we're in an anxiety provoking situation or it's not even the situation, right? We feel anxious about something. So maybe for some people it's trying something new. One of my daughters has terrible anxiety about new things, going to new classes or starting a new activity Mm -hmm. just because it's the fear of the unknown and not knowing what I'm walking into. So maybe it's, you know, going to a life group for the first time. Mm -hmm. I know that is incredibly anxiety provoking for some people. They don't know there is no threat there, but they feel like there's a threat just because they don't know what to anticipate. So when we have that situation and we don't know what to expect, what our eyes or what our minds are tempted to do is to focus on that thing that we don't know, but we think is so huge, right? We make it bigger, I think. Right. And that's like a totally perspective thing, right? So if I hold this mug in front of you, all of a sudden you look really small because the mug looks really huge. But that's not reality. But that's not reality. Right. So whatever is closest in our vision seems the biggest. And so we allow this fake situation in our mind to get huge. Mm -hmm. And what we need to do is shift our perspective and take that huge thing and slide it back behind God. We need to look above. We need to turn our eyes to God and say, whatever that situation is, my God is bigger. My God is good. And that's when we start preaching to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's when we start speaking truth. No matter what happens when I get on this plane, no matter what happens in this bathroom, my God is bigger. And so when I go into a bathroom at a Starbucks and I have to lock the door behind me, I am literally sitting on the toilet preaching to myself, you will not die here. God will not let you alone. He is with you. And I'm saying these things to myself, which sounds like I am a crazy person and fear is a crazy thing. It is and crazy. It, it just does these weird things to ourselves. But that's when we perspective. I have to shift my perspective. I don't think about the size of the box that I am enclosed in. I think about the size of the God who is with me in that box. Mm -hmm. And so we take the mug and we set it behind you and we say, okay, yeah, this is the actual perspective. Which is is where I think this is so small. I think that's where I get so distorted in the middle of the night because my brain is not all the way on yet. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed a lot of my panic and anxiety is in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. because I'm not thinking clearly. I don't have all my defenses up um, like I should. And our guard is down when it happens. It is. And so to put that into perspective, I think would be really, really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. And to just automatically, when I wake up and I feel panic, just remind myself of that. Just preach it to myself. God is bigger. God is bigger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, You talked about when we were discussing this earlier about how this is biblical Mm -hmm. um, and how God shows up for Moses. Um, So do you want to tell that? Yeah. Like paraphrase that part of the Bible. And I think it happens in other places in scripture too, but I was just thinking about when God calls Moses to go before Pharaoh and to set his people free, right? And Moses immediately has this stress response, but I think then it turns into anxiety in his brain and we don't see what his thoughts are, but Mm -hmm. by the words that he's saying back to God, he's saying, well, who am I to go and do this, right? Who who am I to go before Pharaoh? Who am I to go and tell these thousands of your people that we're going to get up in the middle of the night and leave this place? Who am I to do this? And so I've got to 
assume that there is some sort of response going on inside of his mind that's going, I'm not big enough. I can't do this. I am not like, what happens? You're wrong, God. What happens if <laughs> yeah. the people don't listen to me? What happens if Pharaoh doesn't listen to me? What if Pharaoh just kills me on the spot? You know, like his brain has mm-hmm. to be like spiraling through all of these things, which we don't see that, but he's human and what human would not feel that, Mm -hmm. you know, this is one of those situations where even if you're not prone to anxiety, you're probably going to feel anxiety, right? It is a stressful situation and your mind is going to start running. And so what does God say? God doesn't say, Moses, I've called you and I believe in you. He doesn't say, Moses, don't fear this man. He's small. He doesn't say any of those things about the situation or about who Moses is. He does not speak to him in that situation. What does he say? He says, I will be with you. Mm -hmm. He takes his eyes off of the situation that is terrifying. He takes his eyes off of himself and his own inadequacy to deal with that situation. And he says, you've got to get your eyes on me. I am going to go with you. Who am I? I am who I am. That's who Mm -hmm. he tells him then next. Like, I am who I am. Like, I am God, Yahweh. I can do this. I've got this. Just do what I'm calling you to do. And that's the same in an anxiety situation for us is we are so prone to focusing on who am I? How am I going to deal with this? And on the situation that isn't happening that we think could happen. And this looks so big. And if we can step back and say, who is with me? But even if the, if, even if the situation is actually happening, even if it like mm-hmm. Moses, that was real, that mm-hmm. was stressful. And those were possibilities. Right. Even in those situations, God is still bigger. Mm-hmm. So even this would be a great response to even stress, not just anxiety, mm-hmm. to put it into perspective right. next to your God. Right. Never, never is the answer to anxiety going to be, I can do this. Never is the anxiety, the answer to anxiety going to be this situation is, is not that big. Always the answer to anxiety is going to be my God is bigger. Yeah. And my God is with me. That's That's always going to be the, the answer. And so if we can get our eyes off of us and off of the situation and onto God, I think we're going to have the best end game result. And this comes back to, you know, we're talking about our theology of God in the forgiveness podcast, mm-hmm. we have got to understand who God is mm-hmm. because if not, we don't trust him mm-hmm. in that situation. Yeah. We have to know who God is so that we know we can trust him. And through all of this, the more that we do that, the closer we're going to get to God, which is ultimately how he can use our anxiety to, for his glory and to bring us closer to him. Right. Rebecca right. has a quote. Oh, you wrote it what? from a video. Mm-hmm. Um, but anxiety is a friend. It is a barometer telling you all is well, all is not well under the hood. Mm-hmm. It is something that you need to... S- stuff down, medicate, and it is not something, sorry, it is not something that you need to stuff down, medicate, and avoid. You need to actually stare it in the face and go, why are you here? What if there's something that is unwell that I need to bring before God so that he can do the healing work? There's a trigger there because there's history there that is unresolved trauma and pain. Mm-hmm. Get honest with God. God wants to use anxiety. Mm. He didn't cause it, but he will allow it to reveal his work in you, his abundance in you. Yeah. Which is so good. So two things. First of all, she said not to medicate in that quote. And Mm -hmm. she says this in the book too. And this is not mean that she says, do not use medication. Yeah. That's not what she's saying. That's not what we're saying. Um, Both of us have 
tried. I know your body does not respond well to anxiety medication, but both of us have utilized anxiety medications mm-hmm. in the past. I think there are definitely times when because the stress has gone on for so long, our hormones are so a mess that we do need the help of medication to get our bodies back under control. Right. Absolutely. I think that there is, um, there is great power in medicine mm-hmm. and sometimes and God we utilizes it. those right. tools for you. Right. Um, she's more talking about Medicaid. You like were saying avoidance, um, mm-hmm. Netflix, drugs, right. alcohol. alcohol, like things that we use to suppress mm-hmm. the anxiety response. And so that can be a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but that's what we don't want to do. We don't want to use something to avoid mm-hmm. Medicaid. Because using medicine prescribed by a doctor that is not um running from it that mm-hmm. is facing it and doing what you need to do to help so right. but coupled with that and what what she's saying here is that we use it as a barometer so mm-hmm. this is why we ask the whys and we try to get back to what is underlying this why am i feeling this way what is at the root of this because at the root of this always we want to take whatever it is back to god because that's how we grow that's how we heal that's how we become more resilient and that's how we have more of god in our lives and so for all of us if we can shift our response towards stress and anxiety from this is bad i need to run from it to this is good. It's driving me towards God. What do I need to give to him? What do I need to carve away in Mm -hmm. my life? What do I need to surrender? Then we can say the good, the ultimate good is that I'm getting more God out of this. Right. Yeah. Which is a very mature response and that's hard to get to, but that's where we want to get. And it takes practice. I Right. Right. I think why this conversation is so important right now is that if we look at the state of the world, Mm -hmm. things are becoming more and more chaotic. Things are becoming less and less unified, more divided, more anxiety producing. It really is. And if we just even look like what's just happened in this last week in our world, we, we recognize that life is out of control a lot of times and it, is going to, as we get closer to the coming of Jesus, get more and more out of control. And we as Christians need to, number one, accept that that is fact. Mm -hmm. In this world, you will have troubles. Yes, it is going to be hard and it's probably going to get harder. But then as Christians, we need to resolve that we are going to be the resilient ones, that as things in the world break down, we're going to be the ones who have our eyes fixed on Jesus, who don't look at what's going on in this world, but look at him and who have resolved, like, I am going to be resilient and this is not going to take me down. Right. Because the world is going to look to us as things get crazier The world is going to look, they're going to be looking for, you know, they're going to look for the savior. And we have to say, guess what? We've got the answer. We've got hope. This is where peace can be found in the middle of this chaos that, you know, the world wars are raging, though uh, there is just terrible thunder and earthquakes and all of these things happening in the world. We have solid footing. Because we know where our hope lies. We know where our peace comes from and we know where our souls reside and it is not here. Right. Looking above again. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's going to get worse. So now is the time to train ourselves to run towards the pain, deal with it 
and keep fighting forward. Because if we keep pulling back, we're just making ourselves weaker and weaker. Mm-hmm. And this, and the anxiety or whatever we're facing worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Mm. It's hard though. It's hard. We will acknowledge that. Yeah. I think a big thing, um, like you said, you texted your friends and mm-hmm. when you were in that airport bathroom and you knew you weren't alone in that mm-hmm. situation. I don't want it to feel, and I know Karen doesn't either, like we're saying anxiety. If you have anxiety, you're bad or you're not enough or anything like that. We're saying we have dealt with it too. We are there with you. We are dealing. We are. I am. Yeah. <laughs> we are dealing with it currently. Um, and, and you're not alone mm-hmm. and we can become more resilient together. Right. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. But talking about it, is huge. So. We, we have to get honest. We go back to, you know, having vulnerability and accountability and honesty. And that's why we need good people in our lives. Like all of this just continues to circle and mm-hmm. spiral, but we, we need to have people, we need to be willing to say, this is what makes me anxious. And this is what I'm going to do about it. And this is my plan. And then we hold each other accountable to that. Mm-hmm. And we can say, you know, I dealt with it again, but this is how I dealt with it. And each time we get a little bit stronger and a mm-hmm. little bit bit more resilient and a little bit better able to deal with it in the future. Yeah. Uh, having scripture memorized again, we just talked about this in truth last week is a huge way that we can combat anxiety. We need to have those pocket go-to scriptures that when I am in the throes of it, I can say, you know, I know whatever it is, whatever it is that triggers your anxiety, then we have that truth that will then combat that anxiety that we know. Mm-hmm. My God is good. My God is big. I don't battle against flesh and blood. Whatever it is that we can go to those scriptures and meditate on that in that moment. Again, we talked already about being grateful and gratitude. And right after we recorded that podcast, I saw a sermon with a pastor who had done the research on this and the science of gratitude. And he found that where gratitude and anxiety originate in the brain, the part of the brain where they come from is the exact same part of the brain and they cannot coexist. So if we are being anxious, best thing we can do to retaliate is start being grateful. So in that moment, start listing your gratitude. Like, okay, God, in this moment, I am so grateful that I am in my bed and not on public right now. (laughs) You know, like what can I, what can I be grateful for in the midst of this panicked situation? And when I'm feeling anxious, finding things to be grateful for. So there are so many practical steps that we have already talked about that play right back into this right now. But ultimately, it's recognizing that in the middle of all of this, there is someone who is greater. Mm -hmm. And we just keep putting our eyes back on him. Yeah. All right. We will wrap up. We know this is hard. And for many of you, we do want to acknowledge that this is hard and that anxiety has been um, a part of your life for a long time. Some of us, since we are very little. You know, my daughter started with serious anxiety issues in second grade. And so this has been an ingrained pattern in her brain that we have been fighting for years. And I know many of you have dealt with this anxiety for years. You have struggled and suffered. And so I'm going to pray as we wrap up here today, just because um, we don't take it lightly. We know what it is like. It is hard and is difficult, but we also fully believe that God is bigger than all of this. So Mm -hmm. let's close in prayer today. 
Holy Father God, I thank you so much that you are bigger than anything that we fear or anything that we can face. I thank you, God, that you know our future, that you have written it, that it was written before we were even born. And God, you know what's going to come and you are already there. God, help us to have that vision of you that says that no matter what comes, you are already in it. You are already there and you will meet us there and you will walk through whatever trials may come just as you have walked with us in the past. Help us to be so aware of your presence in our lives, Lord, that we see you as so much bigger and that all of those things that worry and scare and terrify us and cause anxiety become smaller and smaller and smaller, God, until they fade away. Help us to bring our anxieties to you. Help us to do the work of uncovering the whys so that we can understand what in us is broken and vulnerable and needs to be surrendered to you. Help us, God, to train our brains and to focus on the truth and to meditate on scripture and on your goodness when we are in those situations or when we are fearing situations that cause anxiety in us. God, we bring all of these things to you. I bring each one listening, each precious heart that has struggled with anxiety and suffered and been held captive. God, I give each one to you and we pray that you would break the chains of anxiety in our lives, that you would break the chains of fear. God, our enemy wants to hold us captive because he knows that if we are held captive by our anxiety, we are less effective for you. And so we just ask, Lord, that you would break those chains, that you would set us free from the things that terrify us, that we might be more resilient, that we might be more determined, that we might be more courageous people, that we are willing to do whatever and go wherever, Lord, to share the hope of the gospel with others. God, we pray for miracles in our lives, for walls to be just torn down and chains to be broken. And God, we ask that as always and in all things, you will help us to keep looking above. It's in your son's most precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.